Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your heart and mind as our pastor, Chip Pendleton, brings us the Word of God. Hey, we're continuing our Family Circus series, and uh, we're going to be over in the book of Acts today. We're going to look at several different passages of Scripture, so if you just want to open your Bible, take out your phone, whatever, turn over to the book of Acts. We're going to start in Acts 12, 12, uh, if you want to turn on over to that. And uh, one of the advantages of sitting on the side here this week was you got to see the back screen and to know what was going on. So if you're sitting in the middle, you didn't get that advantage here uh, today. So uh, uh, that, that worked out well. Uh, now we have some big whiteboards that we can, we can use later. Hopefully uh, those will be up though next week. Appreciate your patience with us. Uh, I'm old enough to remember when we didn't have stuff like this though. And we didn't worry about it in the first place. So uh, uh, appreciate uh, your patience with us this morning. Let's have a prayer as we get started. Dear Lord, thank you for your word as we look into it now. We just pray that you'd open our hearts and minds, and in Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Well, the modern circus, as we know, really started around 1770. Uh, And it started with a guy by the name of Philip Astley, who actually started holding uh, what we would think of as a circus under the Westminster Bridge in London. And he got all these different acts. People began to come from everywhere. And then slowly as that built, he thought, well, maybe we'd make more money if we could take it on the road. And so they began to travel around uh, and do that. By the 1800s in the United States, the traveling circus had become just a part of what was going on. Uh, Again, I remember when I was a kid and the circus would come to Louisville, they would actually come down the streets of downtown Louisville towards the fairgrounds with the elephants and all of the performers uh, going down to set up. Uh, Anybody here live in a place to ever see them actually come into your town and, and do something like that? Not one person in the entire room. All right, all right, so people, okay, all right, all right, all right, people finally admitting it there. Uh, you know, they, you know it, was, it was a big deal when they would come to town, and they would come in, and they would set everything up, uh, and that was a part of what we called taking the show on the road. Well, as we think of the family circus today, we're thinking of uh, when our children actually leave home, that's kind of taking that show on the road. That's when they're taking the show from what you have taught them and they're going and they're living out what they've been taught their whole life. You see, we've kind of got a distorted view of what parenting is all about today because what we think of as parenting uh, really is protection. We want to protect our children from all harm. We want to protect our children from all consequences. We want to protect our children from all the difficult decisions they have to make. We expect nothing from them. We do everything for them. They then become entitled and self-obsessed, and then we wonder why we end up with the kind of world that we end up with. And the truth of the matter is the job of parenting is not for you to protect your children and do everything for them their entire life. The job of parenting is for you to train and disciple your children to where they can live a good, godly life if you're not there. And that's why it is so important that we get our children and we train them and we get them where they need to be because one day they're going to go out on their own and have we given them the resources that they need to do that. 
And one of the places we can just see where the church has failed and where parents have failed in this is when it comes to children actually staying in the faith after they leave high school. Statistics today say that over 50% of children will drop out of church after they leave high school. 50%, one out of every two. And in some areas of the country, only 25% of children will stay in church after they leave high school. It's a catastrophic failure on the part of parenting and church discipleship. And that's why a few years ago, Fuller uh, Seminary did an extensive study that we called Sticky Faith. Uh, and Sticky Faith was all about what do you do to get a child's faith to stick? And our church was fortunate to be one of the very first cohorts in that Sticky Faith uh, research that they were doing. And uh, we went there in 2017. We started implementing it in 2018. In 2020, COVID came around and kind of sidetracked us, and we didn't do anything, including meat, uh, for a couple of years. And uh, so now we're trying to get everything going once again. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at five ways to develop a faith that will cause your child's faith to stick. Five things you can do to cause your child's faith to stick. And we're going to do that by looking at one person. We're going to follow that person through the book of Acts, and we're going to see how his family and the things that happened to him caused his faith to stick in some very difficult times. And that young man is a man by the name of John Mark. John Mark. Now, John Mark's mother uh, was where the first church in Jerusalem actually met. Uh, she was a, a wealthy person, uh, had a large home. The first church met at her house, and, uh, and John Mark grew up with all of those experiences. So we're going to look at that, and we're going to talk about five ways to get a faith that sticks for your children. So let's jump right into it, over into Acts 12.12, Acts 12.12. And the first thing we see is this. When parents, become, when parents take the primary responsibility for raising their children in the faith, that's when faith sticks. Often what happens is that parents, instead of being the primary resource for their children, they become secondary. We're going to send the kids to church, and the church will take care of teaching our children about God. Parents need to be the number one discipler of their children. Acts 12.12 is the first time we see John Mark in Scripture, and this is what it says about him. When this has dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, who was the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. So the first time we encounter John Mark is in the story of Peter. Peter has been arrested, he's in prison, and what happens is an angel miraculously releases Peter. He, he's kind of stunned, doesn't know what's going on, and decides, well, I need to go someplace where I'll be safe, where I can find other Christians. So he goes to Mary's house, not, not Jesus' mother Mary, Mary the mother of John Mark, because he knew that's where the church would be. When he gets there, the entire church is there, and the entire church is praying for him when he arrives. And this is the first time John Mark is mentioned. So what do we know about John Mark from that one sentence? What we know is that his mother was one of the very first Christians. His mother was very devoted in following God. His mother was so devoted in following God, the church actually met in their house. Can you imagine growing up in that kind of situation? The people you would have known and met actually living and growing up uh, in your house. Um, uh, anybody remember the, the uh, rock and roll musician uh, Steve Miller? 
uh, well, Steve Miller's dad uh, was actually uh, kind of like a, a, a guitar player that played in a lot of different bands, and he knew everybody. And Steve Miller said, it was never anything for me to wake up when I was eight, nine years old and walk down to breakfast, and Mick Jagger and, and David Bowie would be sitting there talking at the breakfast table or something like that. And he said, what an unbelievable opportunity to learn from these people. And so in the same way, here is John Mark meeting all of these people, but more than that, having a mother that believed and was raising him in the faith. For faith to stick, the parents need to be the primary discipler. Why does that make faith stick? It makes faith stick because your, your children begin to see it's real, it's true. It's not just something my parents are telling me. It's not just something that's happening at church. I see my parents living it out each and every day. I see my parents praying. I see my parents reading scripture. I see my parents finding it's important to, to go to church. I see my parents helping and caring and ministering to others. And when children see it in real life, that's when it begins to stick. And so the purpose of the church is to be a reinforcer of what you're doing at home. It's not to be the replacement for what you're doing at home. Now, sadly, for some children, it is the replacement because they're not getting it at home at all, but it wasn't supposed to be that way. The church is the reinforcer of what you are doing at home. So ask yourself, how am I living out my faith? What are my children seeing at home? What do I need to do to intentionally make sure that my home is a place where my children are being discipled. A second thing we see in the life of John Mark that causes faith to stick is there needs to be an intentional attempt for your child to have a relationship with people from various generations in the church. The more people in the church the children know outside of their age group, the more likely they are to have a faith that sticks. And why is that the case? Well, very simply, your, your church then becomes a family. And that's something that we've lost today because we've been siloed in our different ministries. Let's see what happens with John Mark. Acts 12.25. Acts 12.25. Just a few verses on down. Now when Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem and they took with them John, also called Mark. And so Barnabas and Saul, Saul who would later become the Apostle Paul, Barnabas and Saul go to Jerusalem to take a gift from the church in Antioch. The church in Jerusalem was struggling. The church in Antioch gathered some money for them. Barnabas and Saul brought it to them. When they go back to Antioch, they take John Mark with them. What an unbelievable opportunity for this young man to be with people like Barnabas and Saul and to, to meet them, to know them, to be mentored by them. It's important for our children to see the church as more than their youth group or their children's group, but to see it as a family. Because what often happens is we become siloed in the church. And all our children really see is that as they are siloed, all I have is my student ministry. I'm really not a part of the church. And so as soon as I'm out of student ministry and I graduate from high school, I basically have graduated from church. And now I've got to figure out, what do I do next? This has never been my family. That has been my student ministry or my children's ministry. And so now I'll do one of two things. I'll either drop out of church altogether, or I'll find a, a, a bigger church that has the next age group where I can be siloed in it for a while. But the church has never become a family where they look around and they see people of different age that they know, that they care about. The Sticky Faith Research from Fuller Seminary says that your child needs to have at least five people in the church out of their age group that they know and have a relationship with. 
Five different people. And that will help cause the faith to stick. It helps them see it as, a, as something that is more uh, than, than just their age group, but something that goes beyond that. That's something that makes them a family together. And that brings us to the third thing that we see that causes faith to stick. And that is this. Your child needs to be actively involved in ministry in the church outside of their age group. They need to be involved in ministry in the church outside of their age group. Again, if everything they're doing is in their age group, they begin to see their age group as the church. And when that age group is over and you, you go to the next thing or you graduate, then they're through with it. They've done what they did. That was their church. And so they need to be involved in ministry that's bigger than that. Look at Acts 13, verse 5. Acts 13, verse 5. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues, and John was with them as their helper. So when they get back to Antioch, Barnabas and Saul feel like God is calling them to go on the first missionary journey. And when they go on this first missionary journey, they take the young John Mark with them. And he becomes a part of that very first mission trip that's being taken. And again, imagine, first of all, he grew up in a church where the people he knew were people like Peter and John and James. And now he's on a mission trip with Barnabas and Paul. I mean, what an unbelievable opportunity uh, that he has here. But more than that, he's now doing ministry that goes beyond his age group, but ministry that is affecting the entire kingdom of God. And how does that help faith to stick? Again, it helps faith to stick because you see, I'm involved in something that's bigger than my age group. I'm in part of a church and a work of God that's trying to make a difference in the world. And because of that, I see it entirely differently. I'm needed. I'm important. What we're doing is needed is important. I'm seeing the big picture of the church and the church's ministry. It's not just my little age group and what my age group is doing. And that helps faith then to stick as people begin to see, hey, I'm a part of something bigger that goes to all age groups. I'm a part of a family trying to do the work of God. It was really neat uh, last fall when we did the meals for Haiti, uh, when we packed over 20,000 meals for Haiti, and we did it on Sunday morning in the gym and uh, during your Bible study time, and uh, we had several hundred people down in the gym uh, doing the meals uh, for Haiti, packing those meals up, and the neatest part of that was to see entire families and preschoolers out there, you know, putting cups of rice in and, and helping do all the stuff that was there. It became a real family ministry as we looked around and we saw what was going on, and that was so exciting uh, to see that. And those children, they, they immediately understood, I'm doing something here that has nothing to do with my age group that's benefiting the kingdom of God. I'm a part of something bigger than that. That helps faith to stick. A fourth thing that helps faith that stick of the five things we're going to talk about. Your child needs to have a safe place to express their doubts and questions. They need to have an, a safe place to express their doubts and questions. Look a few sentences on down, uh, Acts 13.13. 13. Acts 13.13. 13. From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them and returned to Jerusalem. So this is the first time that we see anything bad happening in the life of John. 
We don't know what happened. They get out on this first missionary journey. Maybe it was just, it was a rough situation, rough things going on. We don't know. Maybe it was because they were being persecuted. People hated them. Their lives were in danger. For whatever reason, John Mark says, enough is enough, and he goes back home. Now, this would be something that would haunt him for quite a while, as we're going to see a little bit later. But for whatever reason, he turns around and he goes back home. He had to have doubts. He had to have questions. He had to feel like, maybe I can't do this on my own. Maybe this is too dangerous. I'm too young for this. Whatever reason, John Mark left and went back home. And the doubts and the questions that he must have had. As your children grow up, they will have doubts and they will have questions about God. And you and, and the family, the parents, need to be a safe place for your children to come and talk about that. They need to feel like they can come and sit down with you and you will take them seriously. And you won't just say, oh, read your Bible, you shouldn't feel that way. Or that isn't something that, that you should think about. Uh, you need to go to church more or whatever. That you will listen to them and talk to them and take their doubts and their questions seriously. If they see you as a safe place, they will come to you quicker and they will come to you more in, in detail than if they think that they're not going to get a good hearing from you if they come and talk to you. This is important because you need to understand if you are not a safe place for your children to come to to talk to when they have doubts and questions, there is a world out there that is trying to influence them the other way. I can tell you that 100% of the way. They're going to get a lot of people that will tell them the other end of the spectrum and try to pull them away from God and away from faith. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, there's uh, uh, one high school, particularly in, in Louisville, I'm not going to mention it, but as soon as somebody tells me their kids are going to go there, I'm telling you nine out of ten times, there's going to be questions and issues that come up at that school. It just happens over and over and over again. There is an agenda. It, it is out there. And if parents aren't willing to listen and, and talk to their children about it, uh, they're going to get it from somewhere else. So how do we do that? Well, uh, you need to know what you're talking about. You need to be willing to engage your children, but also have your children talk to me or Josh or Emily, uh, whoever, as they begin to have these doubts and questions. Because believe me, if what we believe is true, the evidence is going to be on our side, okay? All they're hearing is one thing that they're getting at school over and over again, uh, and it's kind of become the culture of what they're living every day. Uh, and so we've got to be willing to, to talk to our children openly and freely. But you also be able to talk to your children without judgment or without shock. Let them know you love them and that you're always going to love them. Let them know it is a safe place and they'll come to you sooner and it'll lead to a faith that sticks. John Mark leaves here. He's got a lot of questions and doubts, and we're going to see how those play out here in the fifth thing. And that brings us to the last thing that we see that causes faith to stick. Children need to have a loving, grace-based relationship with God, not a works-based one. And what I mean by that is this. If your children think of God and faith, as some sort of, I've got to be good, and if I'm good, God will love me, and everybody will think I'm a good person. If it's, if it's law-based, if it's works-based, if it's behavior-based, they will end up having problems when they leave the home because they will mess up, they will have times things go wrong, and when that happens, they need to know that they are in a relationship with a God that loves them and gives them grace and will always be there for them. We see that with John Mark over in Acts chapter 15, verse 38. So 
Paul and Barnabas finish his first missionary journey. John Mark leaves them in the middle of it. They begin to get ready for a second missionary journey. Let's go back and see everything that happened where we were before and see what's going on. So these old friends, Paul and Barnabas, about to go on the second missionary journey. And right before they go, Barnabas says, hey, I want to take John Mark with us. Uh, And Paul says, absolutely not. We're not going to take John Mark with us. Let's see how all this plays out. Acts 15, verse 38. But Paul didn't think it wise to take John Mark. He had deserted them in Pamphylia. He had not continued with them in their work. And they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. And so what happens is... Paul says, I'm not going on another missionary journey if John Mark goes. He can't be trusted. He left us the first time. It was a tough situation, and there's no way I would go when our lives are on the line with somebody I don't know if I can trust or not. That's kind of a works-based gospel uh, as you think about it right there. He didn't fulfill his end of it. But Barnabas, who is actually John Mark's cousin, Barnabas says, no, look, Give him another chance. He's a, he's a good boy. He, he, you know, we've got to, got to build him up in the faith. And the disagreement between these two old friends becomes so sharp, we're told, that they decide they're not going to go with each other anymore. And so Paul goes one way and takes, and takes uh, Silas, and Barnabas takes John Mark and goes the other direction. What do you think John Mark learned from that? What John Mark learned from that is there's somebody that's willing to give me a second chance. There's somebody willing to give me grace. There's somebody willing to love me even after I've messed up. That is so important for your child to know to have a faith that sticks. That it's not about workspace. It's not about always being in line and never messing up. It's about having a relationship with a God that loves them and cares for them and will always be with them. And even when they mess up the most, that God's still going to be there to pick them up and get them going in the right way again and to forgive them and give them grace. That causes faith to stick and causes faith to stick well. Uh, several years ago, uh, I went with the uh, Baptist campus minister at the University of Louisville on what they call beach reach. Basically, you go down to Panama City, and from uh, 12 at night to 3 in the morning, you drive a van, taking all the drunk kids home from the bars and all of that. And uh, it, it, was, it was tragic. Some of the things that would happen is some of these kids uh, got in the van. And one time we were going down the road, we picked up some kids at a club, we were taking them back to their hotels, and as we were driving down the road, there was a girl walking down the street at night by herself, and she saw our van, knew we were part of the beach reach thing, because they pass out flyers everywhere, and waved the van down. And we stopped, she got on the van, she got in the very back of the van, started crying, and we said, where do you need to go? And she says, can I just stay with you all? And we said, uh, sure. And so she drove around with us for a couple of hours. Finally, uh, one of our college kids got back there with her, started talking to her. And basically, she told a story of, look, this has been a terrible week. I came with my boyfriend. My boyfriend met another girl. He's at a club with her. Uh, I don't know what to do. I have nowhere to go. I've done terrible things this week. God's got to hate me. And uh, there on a van at 3 in the morning in Panama City, 
we began to talk to that girl about a God that loved her and would always love her and would forgive her and restore her. And for several hours, we just talked to her. She's on the van for like three hours. We finally took her back. Uh, one of the girls got her number. Uh, the next morning, they called, and she said, I'm in my car. I'm on my way back home because I know this isn't this place for me to be, and I know God loves me, and this isn't the place he wants me to have. That comes from having a belief in a God that cares for you, gives you grace, and is always going to be there. So those are the five things that make faith stick. Let me go over them one again. The parents need to be the number one discipler of their children. The second thing is your children need to have a relationship with people outside of their age group in the church. Number three, they, they, uh, uh, your child needs to be actively involved in ministries outside of their age group. Four, you need to be a safe place for your children to come with questions. And five, you need to teach your children a loving relationship with God and not a works-based gospel. John Mark had all of these things happen in his life. What ended up happening with John Mark? Well, what ends up is really interesting. His face sticks even when he had some very tough difficulties in life. Over in Colossians chapter 4 verse 10, this is what we hear. Now, Paul wrote the book of Colossians, okay? And the last thing we hear about Paul and, and uh, John Mark is this. The last thing we hear about them is Paul would not take him, and the disagreement was so sharp, he left and went the other way and left his best friend because he wouldn't take John Mark. Colossians 4.10. Paul is in prison. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You've received instructions from me about him. When he comes to you, welcome him. So when Paul is in prison, John Mark is one of the few people that has gone to stay with him, and he's now sending John Mark out to do more ministry. So suddenly things have changed with Paul and with John Mark. And then the last time we hear of John Mark, 2 Timothy 4.11. Paul again in prison, right before Paul dies, he writes this. Only Luke is with me. Go get Mark and bring him to me. He's helpful to me for my ministry. What an unbelievable change. That from I don't want to take this guy with me, he can't be trusted, to I'm about to die, bring John Mark, I've got to make sure my ministry goes on. Why was that allowed to take place? It was allowed to take place because John Mark found forgiveness and grace and a faith that stuck regardless of the things that were happening around him. But it goes beyond even that. Not only were Paul and John Mark reconciled, John Mark did more than that. You now have a book in your Bible called The Gospel of Mark that he wrote because he was given a second chance and had a faith that stuck. So now we begin to look at ourselves and we need to say, okay, we have a crisis here in the church. 50% of our children, when they leave high school, are no longer staying in the church. What do we do? You've got to have a faith that sticks. And that comes from the things we've talked about today. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Help us to know, dear Father, that we have a great responsibility in the raising of our children. That we're not just raising them to protect them and to keep them from harm, 
We're raising them to make a difference in this world, to have a faith that sticks. Help us to do that with intentionality. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening, and join us next week for another message from God's Word.